In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents. Madam Speaker, Madam Vice President. You want to hang out with us? And get your vaccine. Vaccine, vaccine. And so I went to Human Resources. There are some things I just can't tell you uh, on air. The Betches Sub Podcast. A woman's problem, if you will. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. I'm Barrosa Smith. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Brian, I, I'm not sure. I think this might be, is this the first time we've seen you in, in 2022 on the pod, or has it just been a very uh, accelerated year? It's 2022. This is my first my first pod back. <laughs> Welcome exciting. to your debut. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, my yearly annual debut. <laughs> uh, so... We'll start off with some good news today. According to the Biden administration, insurance companies will be required, finally, two years into the pandemic, to cover eight over-the-counter at-home coronavirus tests per person each month starting Saturday. That's a good amount of tests each month. If, If it's been prescribed by your healthcare provider, they will cover anything. But speaking of having to take a lot of COVID tests over and over again, Brian, I believe you also our second host to have a infection experience. How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. I am 100% A-OK right now. <laughs> you were very positive about the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I was very positive about the whole thing because I made it through Christmas, but you know, that was probably what happened was the Christmas. Anywho, though, but like the only like, like symptoms I had was like, I just knew something was up with my body sort of thing. Like it was like, it was like enough to like, know that I wasn't feeling normal. If you know what I mean? Like I had a bit of like a, like a head cold, like I just felt like a little like hot and tired Mm -hmm. and then a little bit of a headache (laughs) and that went away, which is like also like par for the usual course with me. Like (laughs) (laughs) I'm always a little warm and I'm always a little tired. Exactly. So but yeah, so I mean, and I, my partner who I live with, Antonio, never got it. I was wow. like basically completely back to normal after like day four or five, like maybe a little tired, but then day six, like completely normal. The only like big thing that I'm dealing with now is that I can't, my skin still has not recovered around my mouth and chin from wearing a K95 mask like 24 oh, seven. Yes. Yeah. So do you get, do you get chin breakouts I, I do. or like, I, I have like, I have like little whiteheads, like every morning it's pretty, <laughs> that oh, was not part for the course beforehand. And thank God I was not I'm like, I'm not like a medical professional because Hey, I'm like, would have been terrible at it because I'm an idiot, but like, also <laughs> I would have really horrible skin all of the time. <laughs> That's how I, I always get a really bad one after the airport because like the surgical mm-hmm. masks or the, or the N95s, like they just make it like a little, like a steam room, but not in a good way for your face. Yeah. And so yeah. then it's like, it's annoying because then we travel somewhere and I meet new people or I see family. I'm like, Oh, they all, these people think I'm broken out all the time. <laughs> not that it really matters, but it's like, every time I meet new people now, I'm just like, hello, this is me and my three chin zits. Hello. We're not yeah. <laughs> We're thrilled to meet you. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ugh, but definitely not the ugliest thing that we have on airplanes these days. I mean, I've heard. No. Of- and if that's the worst of my problems, I'm 
pretty fine with it. But if anyone Don't has worry, any suggestions, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if anyone has any suggestions about how to not break out every time you wear a mask, I would Seriously. love. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least Sammy and I will be, uh, we'll be waiting our turn for Omicron to take us, but so far we've, we've been spared, but it is definitely a, it is definitely indoor season. So being a little bit more cautious around a lot of people, but today mm-hmm. we're going to prep for what will be yet another voting rights showdown in Congress in the coming weeks. But first we want to scan over a few headlines that just caught our eye this morning. Number one, we're going to come back to Novak Djokovic. So an Australian judge ruled that the tennis star can remain in the country after last week's like big kerfuffle. But this isn't the end of the saga. Australia's immigration minister can still override that and is still considering whether to cancel his visa. Also going on alongside this is that the Australian border force is apparently investigating whether the tennis player lied on his travel forms, submitting a false travel declaration ahead of arrival in Australia. So he apparently on this declaration said that he hadn't traveled and wouldn't do so in the 14 days leading up to arriving in the country. But apparently he is pictured in both Spain and Serbia in that two week period. And of course, he's not he's not vaccinated. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know how far this can go, but I feel like, you know, originally Djokovic's primary concern was playing in this in this tournament. But now the penalty for submitting a false travel declaration carries a maximum penalty of 12 months in prison. Yeah, yeah I also read that if it goes to the if the immigration minister cancels his visa, he that that also carries an automatic three year ban on entering Australia, right? Which would have huge consequences for like you know this is what the biggest place for playing this yeah. open again. You know, like maybe in the future rules will be different. Australia is like literally going through a COVID surge right now, but he'll be banned for the next three years from returning Mm -hmm. to Australia over this. I just also think it's bad. Most tennis stars don't make their money playing tennis. They make their money through brand endorsements. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I wonder like, why not take into that into account? Because now it's like, if you don't get vaccinated, just don't play in Australia. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like skip this tournament for whatever reason on your own. Now it's probably going to affect his whole brand on an, on another sort of level. But I would just love if he like, after all of this, he just like got knocked out like super early. <laughs> It'd just be like really fun karma. Yeah. Apparently he got COVID in December and that's why he was given um, a medical exemption. But it's really selfish because this is one of the world's biggest tennis players and one of the world's biggest tennis tournaments, the Australian Open. Like it brings a lot of spectators and tourists to Australia. Maybe, maybe, certainly, maybe not this year. But as you mentioned, if this, if this player is banned for three years, like that could impact the fans fair around the tournament and that's just so unfair for the people that work there for the tourism they expect like i don't really know how many how many people won't go to the open because if he's not there but it could be a considerable amount i mean sports i've heard are are huge sports are a big deal people travel <laughs> far and wide so it's just like it's so selfish this move mm-hmm. that could like impact so many people when it's like just get just get the vaccine and to think that like they were mad that Naomi Osaka wouldn't do some interviews. I know. Well, Yeah, I I know. It's very interesting. I mean, it does so much made of like the temperament of female tennis stars and players and like how they behave when really 
male tennis players have displayed enormously problematic behavior for so long. And and this guy's just one of a bunch of I feel like every month there's a new like sports dummy who won't get vaccinated and is lying about it or is yes. trying to like skirt rules around. And it just to me, it comes down to people who like because they're very, uh, very good, talented athletes. They just don't, and they're men. They just mm-hmm. really don't think that rules apply to them at all. Yeah. And I generally think that like, of course, barring people who for whatever reason are, are allergic or just medically c- cannot get vaccinated, even though they want to, like if you're dumb enough to not get vaccinated, you're not smart enough to cover it up and to try to lie. <laughs> like, it's just not going to work out for you. Like everybody who tries to get a fake, it's just, it's not going to work. If yeah, you yeah. lacked the intellect needed to get inoculated against this deadly infectious disease, ma'am, sir, you are not, you, you definitely lack the intellect to like lie to this international to, to, to fucking yeah. like, customs. Well- and like, like how you mentioned he tested positive, And then I think he was photographed the next day that he had to a positive, like around children taking pictures. It's Jesus. like, and now you're just like, like he's, it's, it's, he clearly has really poor judgment. He's, he's one of the men that can like smash a, a racket on the ground and like mm-hmm. get away with that too. It's like really frustrating. He gets, he gets away with a lot, a lot of like, yeah. that. so like, obviously this is why he has this feeling of grandiosity. So I know that he's the number one tennis player in the world. He's the best one, whatever. I get it. But <laughs> yeah. And kudos to you. It's I'm sure it took a lot of work, but that doesn't mean you get to like flout international rules. And this city, I'm I'm forgetting the name right now, but like where the actual open is taking place. It's in Melbourne. Okay, they've been in the middle of like a really long and harsh lockdown. Uh, I they were saying on NPR this morning because I'm a girl who listens to NPR uh, in the morning. <laughs> uh, and so it's like, it really like flies in the face of all these people. Australia has been really serious about its lockdown. It's been really serious about its vaccination program and shit. So it's like for this one guy to just be like, no, I'm so good at tennis. Your rules don't apply to me. It's like, come on. Yeah. Right. And I mean, he's being allowed to do things that they only recently were allowed to do or still can't do. And like I said, and even if they were willing, there were some people, there were some interviews with some Australians and there were some people that were like, I disagree with everything, but you know, this is an important like tournament for Australia, but now they're just like, well, now we can't even, now we can't even have that. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of 
gifts do you have for Dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. We have a couple couple headlines. I was joking with you guys this morning that like sometimes our episodes just end up being like three men doing irritating things. <laughs> that could be like a subheading. But uh, two interesting, these men aren't too irritating irritating. I just thought they were interesting. Two interesting headlines about some would-be congressmen. It is, uh, the midterms are 11 full months away. So naturally they are very timely in January. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're on it. Mm-hmm. We're on it. Yeah. The time has come. So apparently Ben Affleck, the actor told the Boston Globe that he once considered running for Congress in Massachusetts because people told him to, he ultimately chose not to. That seat is now occupied by Representative Ayanna Presley. He said the Congresswoman would have, quote, cleaned my clock. I never heard that before. Had he gone through, oh, I love that. I mean, I love it. I've never heard it before. What is it? What's the metaphor? Just she would have. I don't know where it comes from, but I've definitely heard it. It means like she would have cleaned your clock. Like, yeah, kicked your ass. Yeah, it's like a nice way of saying kicked your ass. Yeah. Which he did ultimately go on to say. I think the next yeah. quote is uh, she probably would have beat my ass. So oh, I'm glad yeah. I didn't uh, run. So it's a, a little redundant, but yes. <laughs> yes. I guess it's very Northeast vernacular, I would say. Clean my clock, maybe. Definitely. I don't know. Yeah, clean my clock. Like my uncle Tommy is the like person in my life who would say cleaned my clock. And he is from New Jersey and lived in Boston for a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. I just think it's so now we have Ben Affleck considering a potential congressional run. And uh, Matt Damon is also doing ads for crypto. <laughs> I mean, I know they made a really good movie in the 90s. We all yeah. loved it. It was a great movie. I don't know if they need to be influencing, you know, currency and national politics. So I, I am certainly glad that Ben Affleck saw that and uh, and took a step back because Ayanna Presley is truly one of our most prized congresswomen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I did say this when you sent this story to us today, but I do think that a lesser mass hole would not have recognized that Ayanna Presley would clean his clock. So I do respect that Ben Affleck someone who has every reason to have like uh, 
oh, an overly inflated self of sense of self confidence. <laughs> I mean, have you just seen the back tattoo? <laughs> he did not move forward. And I also question whoever his friend is that's telling him to run for Congress. That is not your friend, Ben. That person is not giving you sound advice. Right. He said he ultimately also chose not to do it because he thought it would be um, too depressing, which I thought was was funny because this is the man Absolutely. who is known for very depressing <laughs> photos of him like, on the beach gazing or with his Duncan or struggling with packages. <laughs> so I think he's right. I don't necessarily think this is something uh, that he could have handled, though. I do think J-Lo would be an incredible congressional spouse, if not a congresswoman herself. Why not? Yeah, that's the thing is like, just have J-Lo do it. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> And in related news, Clay Aiken has announced that he will run for Congress again. Again, he tried this before and he's going to do it again. He's going to run as a Democrat in North Carolina for a district. Um, The current congressman there is also a Democrat. He's retiring and the district's going to be, I think, redrawn slightly. But Clay Aiken is, is trying again. I hope he wins this. He needs a win. We need a win. Yeah. He's want to say it because I watched that season of American Idol. He should have been winning. Mm-hmm. He's, it's been a long time that he's been get put, getting put on these ballots and it's Can not you imagine? Aiken when it really should be coming up Clay Aiken. Yeah. Can you imagine um, if Ruben Stuttered ran against him? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm all for like reality stars running for a lower office first before, <laughs> True. you know, out the migrate. Water. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what? He can be a congressman from yeah, North Carolina. That neither is, that, of that, these, yeah. neither. Yeah. If Madison Cawthorn can, he can. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like the bar couldn't be lower for a congressman from North Carolina. And also I will say while Clay Aiken is a reality star, I think that American Idol is at least it's the type of reality show where there is a talent and performance based quality to what True. had to occur every week. And, and he had um, to whip, he had to campaign for votes. So yeah, exactly. There there was there was something more to that for sure. It was as yeah, it, it was talent based. It was a meritocracy. It was not uh, Donald Trump. Certainly a different type of reality TV star. But now yeah. we're going to talk about uh, something. Donald Trump informs our current hell. <laughs> Absolutely. Seriously. I thought it was so funny. The party were like, well, he won accidentally. And now we live in hell. Now and we do live in hell. So next, uh, next, we're going to once again, chat about whether this uh, democratic government is going to do a filibuster carve out for voting rights, a conversation we've probably had on like, I don't know how many podcasts do you think last year we had this, the same conversation? I think maybe 50. I think we had this conversation 50 to. times. We do this every yeah, day. Once a week. Almost once a week. Yeah. Come on, That's Chuck. True. Yeah, come on, Chuck. Let us change so, the topic. Uh, <laughs> please. I, yeah, we're bored. We want something else to talk about. Or at least like make it more interesting. Throw in a new yeah. storyline, which I hope is what happens this time. This time there seems to be some new storylines. So Democrats are really pushing this period between the insurrection anniversary and MLK Day to push the message of protecting voting rights in order to protect our democracy. So today, President Biden is going to make a speech about this. Another speech. We love a speech. It's all that's on the menu, speeches. 
So in recent weeks, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, he's been as forceful as he's ever been. I mean, he has progressively become more forceful. He sends these like dear colleague letters, like I think six times a day, they come to my email and they're just always a little bit more manic and like, we got to do this. So he has been saying like, I, I, I'm going to make my colleagues vote on a filibuster carve out. He has come forward with that. President Biden is traveling to Georgia today to make what should be his most forceful plea yet for Democrats to alter Senate rules which again has been done before to pass some of these voting bills, which will address some of the burdens to voting that Republican state legislatures have implemented since 2020. So people aren't, uh, people are, he's not really getting a, we did it, Joe reception. He's getting, can we uh, please do something, anything at all, Joe, please. reception. (laughs) Some high profile voting rights groups in the area, which voting right groups in Georgia are, you know, the nation's best. They did turn a state blue after a decade of grassroots activism. And, you know, they're telling journalists that they're tired of the platitudes and speeches in which Biden or other Democrats like harp on this need to take action without really addressing like the members of their own party with some real muscle about doing what it takes. And some feel this speech is just about optics. Um, They think that Biden and the administration know that he needs to be seen pushing as hard as he can or pushing as hard as he's willing to go. But they want to hear something more more forceful. I think they want to hear they want to hear him, I I would assume, like directly call out Joe Manchin and the members of his party who are against this and make a plea to them to do a filibuster carve out for voting rights. So part of his speech have, have come out and he does plan to address this. Apparently, he's going to directly implore the party to, quote, change the Senate rules to ensure it can work again, which to my knowledge, I, I don't know if he's like said this in a national speech. I feel like he's he's been like, if that's where it comes, we have to do that. Do you guys remember a time where he's explicitly said, like, let's change the rule? He's danced around being this explicit about it for a while. But I do feel like because that's the case and we've kind of known that he feels that way, that's why him coming out and saying this maybe isn't like hitting as hard. And like for me, or at least for these activists, You know, I do. I feel very similarly to what they're saying about like we need more. But I do also. I kind of wish that these groups would say what the more is, too, because that's where I get. I I do wonder, like, what else can Joe Biden do except for, like, forcefully come out and say things Mm -hmm. that he wants when it's really just up to certain individuals in the Senate once again. Yeah. And sometimes I also think it's like who those individuals are. Like, I don't know. I know this is a defeatist point of view, but Joe Manchin is such a baby and he throws such tantrums that, you know, I do want to hear, you know, most people probably most Americans don't know that things aren't getting done because of this one Democrat named Joe Manchin. They just assume Democrats aren't able to get it done. So like maybe what they want to hear is hear Joe Biden say like, I don't know, call, call them out by name. But I think I just am wondering, I think this would matter more if we thought if Manchin seemed to have any fear of Joe Biden or seemed to sort of have like any inf- like if, if Joe Biden were an influencer, like Joe Manchin, it doesn't follow him. He doesn't. Yeah. Get mm-hmm. <laughs> he's not, yeah, he he's concerned. their audience yeah. isn't like crossed. Not at all. They don't have a right. cross not audience. Exactly. Not, not at all. Not at all. Well, it's this used to, you know, voting rights wasn't always a political issue. It was this this thing that they're trying to pass. It's like they I think they named it like the John Lewis Act or, you yeah. know, it's been 
you, it was a bipartisan bill for a very long time. So I guess also the thought process is, is like maybe if we we wouldn't even have to have all 50 Democratic senators, you know, you could have more of those totally. like le, like middle of the road, Lisa Murkowski esque um, Republican senators who could potentially vote for this. And I don't know. But where? Yeah, just I mean, it sucks because it's like the political system since then has become so broken that like. Lisa Murkowski, I mean, it's just so it's just so partisan because it's like I want. Yeah, maybe in this speech, Biden can call out, you know, some of some of his you know, old Republican friends in the Senate who won't do this. But at this point, they are really to they those Republican senators are really able to effectively frame everything Joe Biden Democrats want to do as partisan and their audiences will believe them. They're just like, well, surely if 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 Lisa Murkowski says that this this bill that literally just makes it so you don't lose pay so you can vote mm-hmm. and, and numerous other things like that is somehow like is somehow yeah. the Democrats trying to pull one over. And just- well, it's, it's like at this point, though, it's like they don't like take some action. We may not have ever Democrats in the Senate ever again. And so do you think Joe like, Manchin literally doesn't care because he's like, well, it doesn't bother me. I don't, I, I don't really, like these policies anyway. It really doesn't seem that he does. It, he does. And I do feel like what we keep running up against is that we have to use the ve- like the very broken system that we're trying to fix. We have to use it to fix it. And it's like the things that we're trying to fix are the things that are preventing us from fixing it. So I recognize that. I mean, it's it is a very, very difficult problem. And I do like you said, these voting rights groups in Georgia, like we're talking like Stacey Abrams, Black Voters Matter, Latasha Brown, like really, really, really smart people who clearly believe that there is something else that isn't being done that needs to be being done. And I want to know specifically if there is something that they think is being like left on the table as far as like what the Biden administration could be doing. Cause I keep just running up against the Joe Manchin problem. And I, mm-hmm. I personally don't understand how to move past it, but these groups again are like some of the smartest political strategists in the country. They flipped Georgia. They've been working on this problem and they clearly think that there's more to be done. There was one of them was on NPR this morning. And I think all he said was like, I want him to say explicitly, this needs to end, which, which like you said, Elise, he's danced around it before. And I don't think him explicitly saying it is going to make Joe Manchin be like, Oh goodness. Well, now that Joe really says it, but, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe muscling more Republican. Like, I think that Joe Biden, maybe what they want is like, this is maybe all Joe Biden should be doing or talking about for the next week. Like, go do a huge interview on like, you know, 60 Minutes or whatever everybody watches CBS this morning. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. But Brian, what were you going to say? Yes. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. That's a great that's a great point. Like, send out the Calvary, like, like send the, the people who are the most popular across the Democratic Party, like conservative to most liberal on why this is important. I don't know. I was going to say when the whole build back better, Joe Manchin, like blocking that I was Googling like like rankings of like where states lie, like within the United States. And mm-hmm. I thought I found it interesting that West Virginia was 50th in infrastructure and then like overall just like 47th in healthcare, 45th yeah. in education, 48th in economy. And like, then this guy still is like fighting against all of those things that could help his constituents. It's very, he's a, he's a very frustrating person. This Joe Manchin, really I, I will person. say that. No, that's and that's what, what that's, makes that's it hard part. to sort of try to 
stress the role that Republicans play because yes, we're like, well, we literally just need one Republican. And if I were sort of a casual viewer, I'd be like, why you have the numbers yourself to do this. And you're not able, like, why are you asking for one Republican? We got there, we elected you. And I think that's all, I think that's also why this slight sort of, um, just, just the, the grassroots organizations being like, Hey, we're annoyed is because if they don't address these things, they are asking again for us to out-organize voter suppression. And these groups, I think, are ready to say, like, we cannot, like, we did it. We we did it under, it's literally just not, it's not possible for us to out-organize some of the things that, uh, that will be in effect. Now, like, the closer Democrats seem to get to unity on the filibuster issue, the more Republicans threaten retaliation. So we keep referring to the filibuster here, but I know we have a lot of new listeners, so we can back up for a second and clarify what we're talking about. The filibuster isn't in the Constitution. It came around way later, basically because the Senate needed a way to end debate on a bill when lawmakers were talking endlessly for the purpose of delaying. That's what filibustering is. So first they decided it's it's evolved a lot. Um, at one point, they decided two thirds of senators had to agree to end debate to move forward to a vote. And then they decided they changed that to three fifths, which brings us to 60 senators. That's what it is now. So. A lot of times when we talk about this, it sounds like we're saying that all legislation that passes Congress needs 60 votes, but it just needs 60 votes to end the debate, which functionally means it needs 60 votes to pass. So like if you were to remove that threshold, then we could get to those votes much sooner. And so Republicans want to use that fact basically to scare us, to scare Democrats, because Republicans also have 50 senators in the chamber. So if the number of senators who need to agree to move forward with votes decreases from 60 to 50, that also means Republicans could bring all sorts of legislation to the floor. So, you know, Democrats have toyed with changing this rule in order to preserve our democracy and like pass a living wage. I know we were talking about this a lot with the minimum wage. I think there's there's one other issue we tend to always talk about ending the filibuster for. I can't remember what it is. Maybe it's abortion rights. But Meanwhile, Republicans are threatening to bring legislation to the floor that would uh, bar the administration from giving any money or restitution to people who were detained and at the border. And they want to ban federal funds from schools that aren't doing in-person learning full time. I mean, there's a list of, of the bills they threaten to bring, and they all sound just like they sound like they're from like a fascist dystopian well, world. Like, okay. what the fuck are you talking about? Right. I, exactly. Okay. My thing is like, okay, they won't pass you don't have all the other level things in place to get things passed so do that and also how childish and strange to just be like okay so we're just gonna troll with them we're just gonna troll you but that's like what the republican party has been reduced to it's like the party of trolling people and they and the thing is they've they they have they have already done this they've like ended the filibuster for passing judges all these other things like budgetary reforms, they've already done it. Like, I don't know if that was Republicans or Democrats. No, I guess that was Democrats, wasn't it? But anyways, but it's like, no, you're right. It's been sort of tit for tat on, on these little things. And even now, like that would only apply if, if Democrats right now changed it for everything, they're thinking about only doing it for voting rights. Yes. Which I, which, you know, I mean, like that seems like a pretty good thing to do it for. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's just, they, we, there's, there's, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want, no matter when they're in power. We already know that they already have. They they're like they did it. like so like it's just like what what are you waiting for? Just do it. Just and like also like you, votes should be hard. Like, you, yes, like you're a fucking point. senator. Like all of yeah, these people you, have been right. I mean. So Mitchell Wilder, like, we're going to make some of your Democratic members take some tough votes. Well, first of all, it's like, I don't think that many Democratic members are going to vote on, like, not uh, 
helping kids who were torn from their families and have lifelong trauma, even though that's something that isn't even like in the pipeline, they're not going to vote to ban federal funds from going to schools. But the thing is, it's like, it's pretty fucked up. We've gotten to the point where it's like a tough vote. It's like for Democrats, they're Democrats. You're right, Brian, make them vote make them vote on these tough votes. It's like, oh no, these ones will look bad if they have to vote on the Keystone pipeline. It's like, I, we cannot be having these conversations about how we're like, maybe going to let voting rights go away for tens of millions of people because, because like John Tester doesn't want to look bad in his next election to a couple people. Yeah. And like, they're, they're not, they're, these things aren't going to pass. We're not passing yeah, yeah. legislation so that they can do symbolic weirdness that's ridiculous (laughs) right exactly so we'll see i mean today biden is expected to uh muscle a little bit harder on i guess the members and really have this conversation and force it out into the open and i hope when that happens it'll enter more into the mainstream and people know who the what the factors are and what they need to do but you know i'm really hoping that we're not experiencing deja vu where you know joe manchin just comes out again and says i can't do it it's not bipartisan. The other party doesn't want people to vote, so we can't do it. And like the things that they've done, like the that the Democrats have passed, you know, the the, the relief bill, the covid relief bill, like so popular, yeah. but so long ago, like exactly. we like in the in the world of politics so long ago and they need to pass things. So it looks like they're doing things in order for us to win, to continue to do things. It's just like, we can't just keep like, not like us following, you know, how well a for effort this time, most people are not awarding Mm -hmm. a for efforts in their votes. They're thinking what tangible impact did this have? So you're right. They need to hurry up with this, get this done, pass some things and build back better piecemeal, like, and then get a bigger fucking majority so we can do even more. Yeah, because I mean, we can talk about the voter suppression all we want, but like Republicans are winning fair and square right now in the polling. That's very true. Matchups, which You're is so, like, yeah, like we the, also the house, have to yeah. win. Uh, like, it's like, yeah, we have to stop all this voter suppression from getting in our way, but then we also still have to win these elections and win these midterms and like spread the like party's message. So it is like top top. I would think you would want to make it as easy as possible for your diehard voters to vote for your voters to vote when they have like nothing else that they can think of. Like on top of like, imagine a scenario where we weren't able to get these things done. And it's like, well, I don't have today off. I don't have, they didn't give me paid leave. What am I, what am I going to, what am I going for? There's one option that could potentially that Republicans are now floating regarding the like electoral count act, but there's a lot of historical stuff there. So we're going to get into that with Caitlin, of course, tomorrow. That's our show today until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. Brian Russell Smith. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. Bye. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.